Extension Church, happy 4th of July. Hope your day is filled with fireworks, American flags, and a bald eagle. I never feel more American than when a bald eagle flies over. America, salute it. Happy Independence Day to you and to me. You're in for a special treat today. It's New Communicators Weekend, and we're actually continuing letters from the church. We're hearing from voices around our city and some new voices in our church. Hey, for some of them, it's their first time ever preaching a sermon. Others, first time in a long time. So do me a favor, laugh at some jokes. Come on, they cannot tell the difference between a real laugh and a courtesy laugh. They're new. Say amen. Give them a clap. Give them a high five after. Most importantly, open up your hearts and your minds to receive all that God has for you today. Would you do me a favor? Would you stand to your feet and honor our new communicators as they take the platform? Awesome, awesome, thank you guys. Oh, with that, you, you can sit that down, don't worry. I'm not gonna make you stand the whole day. Listen, you gotta stand all afternoon. It's 4th of July, I get it, listen. And I'm so excited you guys are here. Thank you so much for joining us. My name is Evan. I usually get the opportunity to, to host online at Action Church, so if you ever join us online, if you know people are watching right now, I get to welcome you, maybe shout you out. Actually, every single week, we shout out people that have commented and where they're commenting from, so I thought maybe you guys could help me a little bit. Uh, so get, get ready, you guys ready? All right, awesome. Because uh, I'm gonna shout out right now, we have Janet from Tennessee watching right now. What's up, Janet? So glad you're here. We got, we got Sharon from Maryland. What's up, Sharon? That's awesome. Thank you, guys. That was great. That was the best welcome they've ever received online. That is fantastic. So thank you guys for doing that. Uh, but it's going to be a lot of fun this morning. So you're about to hear from four different communicators, uh, including myself, and really messages specific to maybe something they're walking through, a season they're walking through. The good news is, uh, if you don't like me or don't like one of the other people, then you still have a 75% chance. So, you're, you know, you're still passing, even if you don't like the first few. But uh, it's going to be a lot, a lot of fun. Hey, be really engaged. It actually helps a ton if you're engaged with, uh, with your voices, saying amen, saying wow, that's right, lean in. Uh, I know you can see my face, and I know it's crazy. I can also see your face. So you gotta tell your face what you're feeling. That's helpful. Uh, so let us know. Have a lot of fun. Smile, be engaged. Uh, but I do wanna, I know Pastor Justin mentioned we don't know the difference between a pity laugh and a real laugh. That's mostly true. So I thought we'd practice a little bit before I welcome our first person up here. So I have a dad joke for you. Are you ready? Are you sure? You know? Okay, all right. So if you're ready, here it is. Uh, so for the July, right, it's really a great time, really nostalgic. And you know what else is nostalgic is uh, whenever I put my car in reverse, I always get a lot of nostalgia, you know, because it, it, it really takes me back because it's unreal. Awesome. Nailed it. That's it. I'm, uh, I'll see you guys next week. But uh, no, fantastic. Thank you guys so much. Our first communicator loves a good dad joke. He is the worship director here at Action Church, an incredible man, actually one of the most authentically pastoral people that I have ever met. Like, he has more patience for you than you have for you. It's unreal. He's amazing. Would you please give a warm welcome to Pastor Nick Drake? Come on. Yes. Man. Thank you, Pastor Evan. I do love a good dad joke. You, uh, you really know the way to my heart. Thank you. Well, hey, I am so excited to be here this morning to be able to share, and I think I could speak for all of us when we say we're so grateful for a leader like Pastor Justin that would trust us to be able to share God's word from the platform. I am so excited. Are you guys ready? Good. I'm gonna jump right into a story about me growing up, but first I gotta know, uh, do any of us, uh, were any of us troublemakers growing up? Like, I found myself always in trouble. Okay, I'm not alone. That makes me feel really good. Chris DeSoto, I see you, you're a troublemaker, <laughs> I like it. Yeah, I found myself in trouble all the time, and I found creative ways to get in trouble, which was <laughs> really, really something. And my parents had to find really creative ways to punish me for getting in trouble. So they were trying to teach me to do the right thing, and they had to try all sorts of things. They tried timeouts, we've all been in timeout before, right? They've tried, uh, they tried spankings at times, 
Uh, they sent me to prison one time for, uh, for punishment. Uh, did not work. Uh, it, was, it was too hard for prison. Um, but they, they ended up landing on uh, grounding me, and I got grounded quite a bit growing up. Like, I was always stuck in my room, and I could hear all my friends right outside my door, right outside my window, having a good time, playing soccer, whatever, and I was stuck in my room, miserable. And there was a, there was a time, probably when I was, uh, let's say, 11 years old, where I, I realized, like, I don't wanna do that anymore. I wanna, I wanna do something different. And you're thinking that I wanted to, like, turn around for the good, but no, I was thinking of another way to get in trouble. So <laughs> I thought, man, what, what would any sensible 11-year-old do? I should run away. And uh, don't, don't run away. If you're here and you're not having a fun time at home, don't run away. Please stay at home. But I thought, man, I should, I should run away. So I ran away to the place that made the most sense to run away as an 11-year-old. I went to Target. <laughs> Some of you are really excited about the idea of running away to Target. You might run away right after service, and that's okay. I will not judge you at all. But I ran away to Target. I mean, they had all the stuff that I wanted, right? They had uh, they had all the electronics that I needed as an 11-year-old. They had TVs. Like, they had all the home decor for you guys, like, the home decor. They had, the worst case, I could go camping in the uh, camping section. I'd be set for life. Like, Target was it, right? No. You're looking at me like I'm an absolute idiot. And I was at 11, year, 11 years old. I was, like, that was so dumb to think that that would be a good thing, right? Like, if you thought that was a good idea, let's talk after service. So... <laughs> I wanna pray for you. Uh, but yeah, I, I ran away to Target and I realized, at some point I realized like this isn't a good thing. Like there's no way that I can live on my own as an 11 year old. And at some point I decided that I should turn around and head back home. And this actually reminds me of a story in Luke chapter 15 of a son that kinda did the same thing. He wanted to do his own thing. He wanted to live his own way. And so he went to his father and said that he wanted his inheritance early. He was the youngest son. His dad honored that, gave it to him, and he went off, and guess what he did? He wasted it all away. He lost everything. And at some point, a famine hit the land, hit the area. He found himself struggling to survive, and he ended up begging a farmer to be able to just feed the pigs. Like, if I could just feed the pigs, I'll have enough food to eat. And this is where I wanna pick up in this story here. It's when he's uh, coming to a realization that this isn't gonna work. In Luke chapter 15, verse 17, it says this. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, at home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare. And here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned both against heaven and you, and I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. So he returned home to his father. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming and filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. There's a couple things that I love about this scripture. The first is this, it says that the son was still a far way off and the father didn't wait for him to, to come to him, right? Like oftentimes we, we kind of do our own thing and we, we expect to have to, to go all the way back, to go to go all the way back and bow at his feet, at our father's feet, right? But that's not how the father is, right? The father said, I love my son so much that I'm not gonna wait for him to get to me. I'm gonna go out and get him. I have two kids of my own. I have an eight and a 10-year-old, and I love them so much. And if they were in this room right now, I'd probably be off this platform because I, I have to be with them. I have to hug them and embrace them. The second thing I love is this, is that uh, I'm, I'm guessing here that the son uh, was, was walking back home and he was expecting the worst. I mean, he even said in scripture that he wasn't even worthy to be called a son, that he, he would just be a servant and that would be enough. And I bet he was expecting to walk over and be shamed, 
to be guilted, and all these, all these things, right? But that's not what the word says. The word says that he was met with love and compassion, that he was met with an embrace from his father who was just glad he was there. And you know what? He probably smelled like the pigs that he went to go be with. He probably smelled like the sin he committed. That's such a beautiful picture of our father's love. Back to my story real quick. I bet you're wondering if I still live at Target. And I bet some of you, if I said yes, would be extremely jealous. I regret to tell you, I do not live at Target. I actually came to my senses because I realized that Sam's Club would have been the better choice, right? Because I had those like samples, you know what I'm talking about? I was 11 years old. I wasn't thinking about the food part of life and I needed someone to feed me. I was missing out. If you decide to run away and your parents give you the okay, why don't you head to Sam's Club? Because they're gonna feed you so good, I promise. No, I came to my senses. I realized that this was not going to work. And so I decided to turn around and head back home. And I started walking home and I was thinking, what is my dad gonna do to me? They found all these ways to punish me before. What kind of punishment am I in for when I get home? And as I'm walking back and slowly, because I really don't wanna be there, I look up and guess who I see? I saw my dad. My dad went looking for me. And I walked up to that car and opened the door and I braced myself for whatever would come my way. And instead of being met with shame and guilt, I was met with a dad who said, son, I'm so glad I found you. I'm so glad you're with me. I'm so glad you're safe. That's my dad. You might be sitting here right now saying, Nick, I can't relate to that. I've never run away from home. But what if you've been running from God? What if your whole life you've been running from the Lord, from the safety of our heavenly Father? Or maybe it's not your whole life. Maybe it's a certain circumstance where you realize, you, you think, I can do this on my own. I don't need anyone to help me. I've got this. Can I tell you right now? You don't. You don't. And that's okay. That is okay. You might be wondering, what if I turn around? Like, what's gonna happen to me? What's God gonna do to me? I want you to know this, that our heavenly Father, God, loves you so much, and he's filled with so much compassion for you. And the Bible tells us to come as we are. You might smell like the sin you committed last night. That's okay. He tells you to come as you are, because we're never too far from the love of our Father. Never, nothing you could ever do would make you too far from his love. And this is why, because when we run to our heavenly father, he will meet us right where we are. Thank you. Amen, amen. Well said. Powerful reminder, Pastor Nick. I, yeah, you're never too far gone. You never smell too bad for God. That's good. I'm, I'm more of a Walmart guy, I'm not gonna lie to you. Yeah, it's good. every time I go to Target, my wife tells me she, it's easy to get lost inside. Well she, well, she tells me that while I'm in the parking lot waiting in the car. It's easy to get lost, apparently. That's fine. That's fine. You can, you can have pity laugh for me. That's fine. We've been practicing. Come on, guys. All right, well, I cannot wait for to introduce you our next communicator. She is a daughter of the house here at Action Church. She actually started attending Action back when she was a student. Crazy. 
Started attending Action when she was a student. She's been in Action ever since. I mean, really a phenomenal leader, someone that is so far beyond their age and ability and just really skill set, but also in wisdom and the ability to lead and communicate to people. It's honestly an honor to share the platform with you this morning. So would you please give a warm welcome to Ashley Odendahl. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you so much, Pastor. Hi, everybody. What's up? Are we, are we alive? Are we awake? Yes, yes. Um, my name is Ashley, as Pastor Evan just introduced me, and, and I'm just so honored to be here today. As he said, I'm a daughter of the house. I met Jesus in this house. I love this church. I love our pastors, and I love that I've been given the opportunity to talk to you this morning. And before we dive in, I want to share two things about myself. The first one being that I, I get the honor and privilege to serve on staff here at Action Church. It is one of my favorite things. I love, 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 love working here. And the second thing is that I'm also a full-time college student. I, I go to UCF, go Knights. Yes, yes, I'm graduating this fall. Very excited, very, very excited to graduate. Um, but I feel like balancing these two roles in my life has really taught me some things about time management. One of the biggest takeaways that I've gotten is um, uh, becoming what I would say a master at the art of power napping. Has anybody taken, anybody on the same page, take a good nap? I'm seeing a lot of college students who totally agree. But I would even go as far to, to self-proclaim myself as a, uh, maybe a napologist, maybe something like that. And, and I wanna share a story about a nap I took recently with you. I promise it'll tie in. Um, but there's two kinds of naps. There's the first kind of nap, it's like that 25 to 30 minute window when you're down and up and then you're recharged and you're energized and you're ready to go with the rest of your day. And then there's a second kind of nap. This is the dangerous nap. This is like the nap and you are out for three hours kind of nap. And sometimes it's just an accident. Two weeks ago, I took this kind of nap. It was an accident. I had a long day. And, you know, you just go out, you do the full REM cycle, the whole thing. Has anybody had one of those kind of naps before? Yes, Taylor, thank you. That guy in the back, he's taking a full REM right now. Just kidding, just kidding. Don't look at him. Don't embarrass him. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. But I was having one of these naps, and it was the most serene, peaceful nap, and all of a sudden, I hear the highest pitch cell phone ring I have ever heard in my entire life. That disturbed me from this moment that I was having, and I wake up, and I don't know my name. I answer the phone right away without thinking. I don't know where I am. I don't know what time it is. I see 8.30 on the clock, and I, I can't tell whether it's a.m. or p.m., and it was this feeling, this feeling of discombobulation and, and confusion confusion and disorientation and, and this feeling just reminded me of something that we feel all the time in this world. We've all experienced the pandemic, maybe personal tragedies, kind of these glimpses of reality that hit us and remind us that we are not controllers of this world. I think it's so easy to become comfortable in routines and patterns and, 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 and really in these moments where, where our comfort is disturbed and we're left feeling exposed and vulnerable, it's in these moments where I think we start to question God. We start to question who he is and what he wants from us. 
if he even knows us or our situations. And, and at these moments, I think it's a lot harder to start questioning ourselves, our feelings, our perspectives, our emotions. And, and Lord knows I need to, I need to question some of my routines and, and my schedules. I spent $50 at Starbucks on my morning routine last week. Just kidding, not really, just kidding. But it's these, these moments and these, we have these moments of realization and it just makes me think, have we ever taken a step back? Have we ever thought about how these moments affect us? Have we ever thought about our lives as more than just what meets the eye? Have we ever prepared for these moments? Have we ever thought about the reality of heaven and hell? And, and Pastor Nick just talked about a God who not only welcomes us back, but he actually seeks and searches and looks for us. And he wants to find us and give us purpose and value to our lives. And, and can I tell you that I think God is seeking and searching for you. And I'm not naive, I'm 21 years old and I have not sat in the seats or situations that you may be in. But I do know this, I know the heart of the Father. I know that he will meet you in any place that you were at. Five years ago, before I knew Jesus, I found myself questioning, questioning my life, questioning what I even, would I get to my, the end of my days and have nothing to look back on, no reason, no purpose, no impact? Would it all just vanish? And can I tell you that God met me there he reminded me that my life is so much bigger than just my own. He actually wanted to place value and purpose into me. He created me for that. He actually told me that he wanted to use me. And I would offer the same thing to you today, that he actually wants to use you to serve and love people and build his church. Romans 13, 11, it's, it's my favorite verse right now. I wanna read it to you. It says, and do this, understanding the present time, the hour has already come for you to wake up from your slumber because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believe. Understand the present time, understand the reality of our days here are numbered and wake up from your slumber. There's a reality to that. See, the funny thing about being asleep is that you don't know you're asleep when you're asleep. And so my question for you, church, is are you awake? Are you aware? Because I believe we serve a God who doesn't want you to fall into the patterns and customs of this world, the sleeping conditions of sin, but he actually wants you to seek a greater impact from your life if you would give it to him. And so if I had one letter to write the church, I think I would say this. I think I would, I would pray that we would develop a restlessness in our relationship with God, that we would curate an insomnia to starting to know the word and the truth and the knowledge of God. 
that we would have an understanding of the value and purpose that he wants to put into our lives. And we would know that he not only wants to meet you in the four walls of this room, but he wants to walk with you throughout all of your days if you would just give it to him. And so I'll end by saying this. Church, let this be your alarm, because it's time to wake up. Thank you. Man, powerful, powerful, powerful. Adriana, you gotta follow that, are you, are you ready? Are you sure? Come on, that was absolutely incredible. Thank you, Ashley, it's a fantastic reminder. Wake up. Also, when you said Napologist, all I could think was Napster. A little shout out to old music streaming. <laughs> Big Napster fans over here. Okay, wow. Justin Timberlake's right there. Fantastic. Well, cool. Well, I can't wait for our next communicator. She is an incredible human being. First off, a phenomenal worship leader here at our Winter Park location. She coordinates worship here. Yes, you already know what I'm talking about. But fun fact uh, that, that I, I have to tell them, uh, Adriana is so amazing at this thing. She can have a hard conversation with you, like really help you grow and get corrected but you will never know it's a hard conversation because you will leave like so uplifted and loved and be like, wait, did she tell me I was wrong? Hold on, I'm like, that was, but it's incredible. So please give a warm welcome for Adriana Gibbs. Come on. Man, thank you, thank you so much. That was really, really kind, Pastor Evan. Good morning, good morning, church family. As Pastor Evan said, my name is Adriana and as a worship coordinator for this location, I have the awesome privilege of being part of a team that comes together to lead people into worship, into the presence of God through worship every single week right here on this platform. But this is, and that's really a privilege I don't take lightly, but this today is really different, and I really just wanna take a moment and honor our pastors and really honor this house for this amazing opportunity that I have. Um, yes. I'm so excited to be here. I'm thrilled and I'm ridiculously humbled, but I really just wanna get us started with a question. If you could no longer do what you do, could you still be who you are? Let me ask it again. If you could no longer do what you do, could you still be who you are? Really, at its heart, it's a question of where we find our value, how we measure ourselves. What is it that you do that you identify with? What is it that you're known for? See, most people, when you ask them to identify themselves, they'll usually default to listing one or more of the roles that they play in their lives. You might be a business owner and you might be pouring your blood, sweat, and tears into making sure that that business is successful. Or maybe you're a stay-at-home parent and you're just investing all of your life in making sure that those children are raised well with love. Or maybe you're a full-time student and every waking moment and hour that you have to spare is spent reading and studying and just preparing for that next exam, right? See, we, we have a tendency to identify ourselves, measure ourselves, and, and really define who we are by what we do. And in, in my case, uh, I'm, a, I'm a singer, right? I've always been a singer as long as I can ever remember. I went to school and did every choir, did every ensemble that I, was, that I could be a part of. I majored in vocal performance in college, and really, it, when I started going to church, singing was the thing that God used to draw me to Him in the first place. There's never been a time in my life that I didn't know singing as a really significant portion of who I was. But the question that I've had to ask myself is, if I, what if I could no longer sing? Then, then who would I be? 
what would I be worth? See, when, when our identity and our value and our worth are wrapped up in the things that we do and even the things that we have, then as soon as a situation changes for us, then so does our value, right? The Bible puts it this way. In Matthew chapter six, Jesus is talking, uh, he's giving the Sermon on the Mount, and he says, don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. And while he mentions treasures, I'm, I don't think that he's just talking about money. I think that what he's trying to draw our attention to is that so many of us have a tendency to gather for ourselves these treasures that we, that we try to prove our worth with, that we hold so tightly to, but ultimately, whether they're materials and whether it's, it's actual money or whether it's just aspects of our lives, ultimately, those things are going to fade away. You know, it's, it's a little funny. It reminds me of when I was a kid. I, does anybody here remember going to Chuck E. Cheese? Chuck E. Cheese, yes. That was my favorite place to be. I grew up in Boston and not in Florida, so we didn't have Disney, but Chuck E. Cheese was the place that we were always going to have fun. And really, my favorite part of Chuck E. Cheese was not the animatronics, but the arcade, right? And nowadays, arcades have these, most arcades have these kind of boring, I think, uh, little swipe cards that will collect all your points for you in one little card, right? But do you remember back when we had these good old-fashioned paper tickets? Yes, right, these were the thing. I loved skee-ball, and my favorite part of playing skee-ball was the very end when I would just dip down. I couldn't wait to see how many tickets were gonna pop out of that machine, and you know, uh, for me, it was usually like four, five, six, but it, one, one or two times that ticket would spit out some and it just wouldn't end. And man, that was the highlight of your life because you knew at the end of the night, you were gonna grab all of your tickets that you earned and you were gonna take them to the ticket counter and you were gonna turn them in for something so cool, like a glow-in-the-dark plastic ring or like neon sunglasses for 150 tickets, right? Like all that. So, but really I had my heart set on something else, something that was much more expensive, a lava lamp. And uh, that was gonna cost me 1,500 tickets and there was no way I was gonna make that in one night. So I decided I would just make as many tickets as I could, bring them home and store them up until I was uh, hopefully one day able to trade them in for that fancy lava lamp. Well. It was years later when I was actually getting ready to move out for college and I was packing up my room and I found this stack of Chuck E. Cheese tickets and they had been so meticulously folded up and wrapped up in a rubber band and I had stored them and put away in a secret place so that no one could get to them, right? They were so special to me. But by the time I found them, I was never going back to Chuck E. Cheese, right? And outside of that arcade, these tickets, they're just, they're paper. They might as well be trash. In and of themselves, they're worth nothing, right? And what I want us to see is that those things that we gather up for ourselves, those, those things that we so often stake so much of our value in, man, we can tie them up with a pretty bow and we can stack them up as high as we want them to be, but in and of themselves, they are worth nothing. You see, they're, they're worth absolutely nothing because the thing is that we are created in God's image. And, there's, and anything short of that 
any, any kind of measure short of that for a standard of our value is gonna be completely subpar, insufficient in its standard. And in Jeremiah chapter one, verse five, God says, God is speaking. He says, I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. He says, before you were born, I set you apart. And what God's saying to us, he's saying, before you were even born and before you had even a chance to take even one of those labels and stick them on yourselves, those labels that are gonna pass away, those labels that really ultimately mean nothing, before you adopted those for yourself, I knew you. And he says, I knew your value. I knew what I was putting into you. And he says, I designated you for a specific purpose. And family, I don't know about you, but when I hear that and it occurs to me that I might have chosen, I might be holding on to something that's less than what he's called for me, man, there's something that stirs up inside of me and just said, I don't want to miss out. I don't want to miss out because I'm holding too tightly onto something that was never meant to define me, right? See, I want to know everything there is to know about who I am, who I was created to be, who I was designed to be. And in order to do that, I have to be willing to pursue the one who designed me, pursue the one who created me, and I have to want to know the one who knew me before I was born, right? And church, that's, that's my prayer for all of us today, that that same something would be stirred up inside each and every one of us today, that we would no longer be willing to miss out, that we would be willing to examine ourselves for that thing or those things that we might be holding on to a little bit too tightly, and we'd be willing to release them so that we can be free to pursue and cling on to God alone. Thank you so much. Amen. Awesome. Man, that's, a, that's a powerful question that if you could no longer do what you do, would you still be who you are? I've thought about like this seven times. I mean, that's incredible. Well, well said, well said. Also, you were like the Dave Ramsey of, uh, of tickets. I mean, that is, that she saved him all the time. She was 18. I was like, can I have as many Tootsie Rolls as this will buy, please? That would be, that would be the dream. I probably still have the Tootsie Rolls. They're in a hard jar and it's disgusting. Anyway, fantastic. Hey, well, thank you. Amazing job. Hopefully you guys have gotten a lot out of the, of the first three. There's one more. Uh, it's actually me. As you can see, there's only three stools. Um, but no one's here to introduce me, so I'm just gonna say some nice things about myself. Hope that's okay for you guys. I'm just kidding, I'm not gonna do that. That'll be, that'll be silly. Thank you, wow, thank you so much, man. No, I'm not, but I am gonna show you a picture of me and my wife and my, some of our friends here. We got a picture, this is us right here. This is our natural habitat. This is us. I'm just kidding. We are actually probably the prime demographic for HGTV and Food Network, Claire and I. We, we will watch the Pioneer Woman Saturday morning. We'll go get the ingredients come back to the house, she'll cook it while I fix the door that I thought I fixed last weekend. That is like our, that is our version of crazy. But this is with a couple friends about a month back. This is Claire and I. Claire's the one with her eyes closed to my right. Listen, let's, I'm not even flexing in that picture. Isn't that wild? Like, it's like, about the lighting? Or like, I've been working out a lot? I don't know. I'm just kidding. You could, that, we're not the most important. The most important person in this boat is this gentleman right here. This is, you don't even know who he is yet. This is Ricky Bobby. I'm not even kidding. That is actually the gentleman's name. Amazing tour guide, Ricky Bobby. Uh, I was like, Ricky Bobby, like Will Ferrell's character in Talladega Nights? He was like, who? I'm like, all right. <laughs> Fantastic. This is Ricky Bobby, the man, the myth, the legend. Uh, Ricky Bobby was our guide. Uh, I also, Ricky Bobby doesn't joke. Fun fact about Ricky Bobby, but he doesn't joke because later he told us that uh, this is actually my first ride in five years. I haven't done this in five years, but they say it's like riding a bike. And meanwhile, we're like, we're trusting you with our life right now, Ricky Bobby. But he doesn't joke. Apparently five years ago, he did a backflip off the boat. He did hit a rock. 
and he got airlifted out, which he continued to remind us of as we like rode by. <laughs> I was like, excellent. <laughs> Let's not flip, Ricky. Uh, so that's Ricky Bobby. But what's funny, if you ever go whitewater rafting, if you've, if you've gone, you've had this experience. If you haven't, I'm gonna give you some extra credit ahead of time. They tell you all these rules if you go whitewater rafting, things to do, things to not do, and how to paddle. I'm a little dyslexic, so they're like left, and I'm like, uh-huh, okay, so it's fine. But, but they tell you all these rules, they're really important. There's one rule that they make you repeat over and over again. One rule that it's, it's pretty simple, but they make it say back to you, you have to sing it, whatever. The, the one rule, one rule, super important. You guys, wanna, you guys wanna hear what it is? It's an important rule. Well, let me tell you a little more first, but uh, one rule. And the reason this is the number one rule is because if you don't do this one thing, it's actually the number one cause of death and serious injury in whitewater rafting. So you wanna know this rule. It's an important rule. And the rule is this, that if you fall out of the boat, which one person did just after this photo was taken, if you fall out of the boat, don't stand up in the river. It's the one rule. Don't stand up enough in the river. If you fall out of the boat, don't stand up in the river. It, it's kind of weird, but apparently what happens is if you fall in the river and you, and you try to stand up, the water's going so fast and you can't see the rocks, everything, can't see really what's around you. So if you try to stand up, your feet will get slammed into rocks like really fast. Ow, that hurts. But that's at the minimum. At minimum, you get bruised up and, and banged up. But sometimes what happens is your foot will get jammed under a rock. But because the water's moving so fast, rather than pushing you past the rocks, it'll push you under the water. Number one rule of light water rafting, don't stand up in the river. But it's super counterintuitive because if you guys have been in water before, you live in Florida, at minimum, you've gotten rained on, right? So <laughs> the past three days, nuts. But uh, well, maybe not because of alligators. Maybe you don't go into water, but you might try. If you ever go into water, you probably will. Then there's one thing you wanna do when you get in water and that's get your head above water. So that means when you fall in water, the number one thing you want to do is, right, stand up. You guys are, not, you're locked in, thank you. So stand up, that's the number one thing you want to do when you fall in the water and stand up. So it's super counterintuitive to not get in the water, like fall in the water, but then not stand up. It's like, how do I, how do I do this? Like, your head rub your tummy thing situation. Super counterintuitive to do, but it's really important to do. And as I, as I thought about this principle that they were teaching this rule, I thought, man, that's actually really how, how, how a lot of us need to walk through our life is this kind of counterintuitive thing. Because if you've experienced this before, if you lived any sort of life, then, then you've experienced a moment of chaos out of your control where something happens in your life. We all experienced COVID last year and kind of what it, what it closed down in our culture, right? Maybe you didn't get the promotion you deserve. Maybe, maybe your kids are kind of behaving in no way that you, you've raised them to behave. Maybe whatever it is, you try hard to make friends, but you can't make friends. Like things happen that are out of our control. And our tendency as humans, which is natural, is to, to figure out what can I do to gain control? What can I do to, to stand back up? What are the things? What are the, I, I'm Googling. Well, how can I make more friends? I'm reading a pod, I'm listening to podcasts, reading a book. How can I be better X, Y, and Z? How can I hang out with my boss better, right? I'm, I'm trying to do all these things to, to figure out how to gain control in a situation where I feel out of control. We've all done that. That's what, that's what we do in our lives. Or we're trying to numb it with alcohol and different things like that, we try to push past it. And what happens is, one option is you do it and it actually feels like enough. And so you, you feel like you've conquered it and you, you kind of have your head above water. So you build an identity based off of these things, these disciplines that you've discovered. But inevitably what happens is, is something else happens in your life that all of a sudden kind of breaks the back or you get tired and everything kind of falls apart. And now it, not only do you stress out, but you're also having an identity crisis. Another option is, is you try and you do things and, and you, you try more. And, but it's just not enough, right? I try to make more money, I try to get a promotion, but it just, it, I still don't feel satisfied by it. I still don't feel successful, 
right? I try to, get, I try to change relationships. I try to get somebody else, but it just still doesn't feel like right. It doesn't feel like enough. And we try, keep trying things and it builds up this anxiety in us because we keep trying and trying and trying and it's never enough. So we're not sure what to do. Or maybe you maybe grow up in the church and you, you kind of know what you should do, what you shouldn't do, right? So you, you pray enough, you read your Bible a lot, you go to small groups, listen, you're at church on 4th of July, you're crushing it, right? So you try all these things, but, but then you still have the temptation that you had at the very beginning of meeting Christ. And you still fall back into that sin, and you're like, God, I don't understand, I'm trying all these things, I'm doing everything right, but it's not enough. It's because we're not created to control what's around us. See, the reality is, more often than not, what we're holding on to, what we're trying to stand on in the midst of the chaos, in the midst of the river, is in fact what's drowning you. Drowning you in anxiety and, and stress and, and burden because you were never meant to control it all. I love how the, the book of John is written, the gospel of John. And there's this moment when Jesus is talking to the disciples about where he's going, talking about heaven. He says, I'm going to the Father's house. I'm gonna prepare a place for you. And, and Thomas's question in response is fantastic because this is exactly what we would say if somebody said that. He says this, this is in John 14, five. Thomas says, Lord, we don't know where you're going, right? So, so how can we know the way? This is a really practical question. This is a, this is a fisherman. Like he's acting, asking practically. Jesus says, I'm going somewhere. I'm like, how do you, how do you get there? What's the, it's like 1500 South Maitland Boulevard. What's the, where are we going? That's what he's asking is the practicals. How do I get there? And that's what, exactly what we ask in these midst of chaos and these things that happen to our lives. We go on Google, maybe we ask the world, maybe we ask God. We say, God, show me the exact things I need to do. So that way it's within my control to make it better, right? But I love Jesus' response. It's brilliant because he doesn't give a list of tasks. He doesn't say, oh yeah, just do this, X, Y, and Z. Just follow this system. This is Jesus' response. He says, I am the way and the truth and the life that no one comes to the Father except through me. When we ask for a practical response, when Thomas asked for Jesus, how do I get to where you're going? He says, a relationship with me. Like, I am where you're going. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Not what's around you, not what you can control. I am. And in our lives, if you fall in the river, all you can do, you can't control the water, you can't control the rocks. All you can control is your response to the situation. And when you fall in, all you can do is put your legs up and let the water take you. All we can do in these moments of chaos and when the anxiety starts to build up and we feel depressed or stuck, all we can do is decide to lean into a relationship with Him. And that's it because we could never do enough to get our head above the water. We can never control enough to get ahead of the situation. And in fact, more control, although it seems like it would bring peace and hope, the fact is more control does not, more surrender does. So maybe you're here today and you've heard these incredible messages and, and, and you're feeling like the Holy Spirit is moving on you and you just need to decide to, to let some things go in your life. Just to surrender to the, to the savior of the world the one who knows the entire river from beginning to end and every rock in between. He knows where you're going. He knows how to get you there. Maybe you just need to surrender it to him. But maybe, maybe you're here and, and you feel like you wanna let go, you wanna surrender, but you don't even know this person that is the way. You've never had a relationship with Jesus. And we can settle that today because it says in Romans, all you have to do is ask with your mouth and he can become your Lord and your savior of your life. And we could never do enough for him. We could never do enough to be perfect. We can't do enough to, to be qualified. 
because we are not enough. We're fallen, we're broken. We're in a river out of our control. But he died while we were still sinning for us so that you can have a relationship with him, so you can have the way to eternal life, the way to heaven, the way to a father's house. So would you pray with me right now? Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? If you're in this room right now and, and the Holy Spirit has been moving on you, or maybe you're watching online, Holy Spirit's moving in your living room and you feel like, man, I, I want to know this way in my life. I want to know the Lord, the Savior. Man, He loves you so much. And he is, he is wanting to come into your life to be your personal Lord and Savior, to carry the burdens that are on your shoulders. All you have to do is ask Him. It's a free gift. So if that's you today, if you wanna give your life to Christ for the first time, maybe for the first time in a long time, I'm gonna ask you to raise your hand in just a moment because this is not a public decision. Every head is bowed, every eye is closed. This is a private decision between you and God that requires a step. And I wanna pray that step with you. So if that's you today and you wanna surrender your life to Christ for the first time, maybe for the first time in a very long time, give everything to Him. Would you raise your hand right now so I can pray for you? Amen. Watch it online, raise your hand if you wanna give your life to Christ in this moment. Amen, amen. You can put your hands down. If you raise your hand, would you pray this prayer in your heart as I pray it out loud? God, I love you. God, thank you for loving me. I believe in my heart and I confess with my mouth that you are Lord of all. Take complete control of my life. I surrender all that I am to everything that you are for me. We love you, Lord. And God, I pray for everyone else in this room, Lord. You help us help the, the things that were spoken, that were opinion fall away, God, but the truth that, that you have instilled in us today, God, remain in our hearts that we would change us, that we would leave here differently today, that would, you would make us more like your son, full of hope and peace. God, walking grace through every single day. God, we love you for this chance. We thank you for this opportunity to worship in a country where it is free to be here, Lord. It's in your mighty, mighty name we pray. Amen and amen. Hey, can we give for those people that just gave their lives to Christ? Amazing.